Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the Pro Wrestling Playlist. This is part 2 of our podcast on John Moxley's IWGP United States Championship and I will let you in on a, a little bit of behind-the-curtain podcasting here. This intro is being recorded sometime after we recorded the the meat of the episode. Uh, since recording the majority of the episode, John Moxley has defended the title uh, successfully against Machine Gun Carl Anderson at night one of Fighter Fest, and then faced... Lance Archer in a Texas death match and lost the belt to Lance Archer at night two of Fighter Fest. So uh, apparently Archer and Moxley are only allowed to have Texas death matches, but Moxley no longer IDBGP United States champion. Uh, we're not super trying to be timely, but I'm going to be upfront. This is this is none of our jobs. We're doing this for fun. This is a passion project. Uh, especially for me, I'm doing like not not to denigrate the the work that Matt and Jamie put in, but I think they would agree that I'm doing the lion's share of the work here, and that I'm doing the research, the uh, like producing and recording and editing, and all of the uh, like management of the podcast going up and stuff. That's all me. I also have pretty severe depression and anxiety stuff, which means that even when it's something that I'm really excited about and want to do, sometimes I just can't get motivated, which unfortunately, although we we have a schedule that we're going to try our hardest to stick to, means that that schedule will sometimes slip. So hopefully you are hearing this episode two weeks after episode one went up, or, or at least able to hear it. You can listen to it whenever the fuck you want. Uh, and hopefully we will be able to record one episode or one kind of session a month, and, and those sessions will, I think, usually be broken into two parts, because if, if this first John Moxie one is anything to go by... Uh, we have a lot to say. There's a if we're doing six matches most of the time, that's a lot of stuff to cover. Uh, so we'll do one of those a month and split them into two parts that will be released two weeks apart. I will also occasionally be doing some kind of bonus episodes where I speak to someone other than Matt and Jamie about probably just about their favorite wrestler and some of their uh, favorite matches that illustrate why that person is is one of their favorite wrestlers. And those will be a looser format and hopefully will uh, help when I don't have the motivation to <laughs> watch and rewatch the same five or six matches and take copious notes and uh, look at, like, who is this person that did a run in, in this indie wrestling match from 2008? Uh, in a promotion that I wasn't following at the time. Uh, what's a little bit of their history? Which is all stuff that I want to include in the podcast. I think that's interesting and like I like doing that. But it is it is work. And like I say, it's it's not always easy for me to, to get motivated. Uh, I'm joined again by uh, Matt and Jamie. Uh, because we're re I'm recording this introduction after the fact you're not going to hear them say hello when I say I'm joined by Matt and Jamie 
but yeah, they're they're on the podcast again, and I got always going to be the regulars. Uh, let's just get, get on with it. Enjoy the podcast. All right, let's jump right in with some background information on Japanese wrestling and martial arts, mixed martial arts legend Minoru Suzuki. Minoru Suzuki has a strong amateur wrestling background. He won the Kanagawa Prefecture Freestyle Wrestling Competition uh, Championship, rather, and came second in the nationwide tournament, becoming an alternate for Japan at the Olympics. Suzuki trained at the New Japan Dojo. In 1993, Suzuki and Masakatsu Funaki founded Pancrace, a promotion designed to focus on shoot-style wrestling with limited gimmicks and no predetermined outcomes. This is kind of debatable because there were definitely at least a handful of uh, what they call worked shoots, which is like, it's a predetermined outcome, but there's more real fighting than a wrestling match. Like, they're really hitting each other more than they do in a wrestling match in a worked shoot. Uh, Pancrez was at least partly inspired by the 1976 Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Inoki boxer versus wrestler match, mm-hmm. which was also a big part of Inoki's kind of growing obsession with MMA and combat sports that uh, was quite detrimental to New Japan in the 90s. I feel like that was um, almost certainly referenced in Baki, Matt. Uh, it, it probably will have been the uh, the the seminal um, Netflix anime series <laughs> Baki. Seminal, uh, yeah. The guy who's like, well, well, Muhammad Ali Junior. Um, <laughs> if I just if I just lie on my back, you can't hurt me. Which um, is that's exactly what Antonio Inoki did. Was just oh well, there you go. Then was on his back, feet up, and like just kept. Uh, Ali at bay. Ali was also past his prime in '76, and sure, uh, like, but but uh, that's like they had quite a lot of respect after that, and they apparently were decent friends. Uh, that's where the uh, Bumaye move that uh, Shinsuke Nakamura does, and is now called Kinshasa. Uh-huh. It comes from the uh, the crowd at Rumble in the Jungle. Chanting Ali Bumaye, which I think it's literally kill Ali him, kill him. Yeah. Okay. And then Kinshasa is uh, the capital of um, the Congo. Is it the Congo that they were in at Rumble in the Jungle? It's it's uh, the Democratic Republic of the Congo rather than the okay. Congo. It's the, the larger of the two countries. We got our um, government ordered measure of anime uh, in, the, in the podcast. <laughs> My my favorite bit of the uh, the arc you're talking about with uh, Muhammad Ali Jr., who <laughs> yeah. is who is trying to inherit um, the, the 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 character in the, the character in the show, a version of the real Muhammad Ali, who is trying to develop boxing into a a cohesive martial art in the yeah. way that people approach mixed martial arts, but just doing with boxing, where his his big revelation is. <laughs> Boxing is a sport where you kick the ground. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because yeah. of the way that they like, because of the way they have, they have to like step to anchor themselves so that they like punch good. Yeah. It's some real dumb nonsense. <laughs> it's <laughs> fucking beautiful. Anime. It's uh, Grappler Baki is really really good. <laughs> it's very good. It's fucking ridiculous. Okay. I love it. I missed. Yeah. I missed my other anime reference, which was um, uh, 
less specific, but um, in Minoru Suzuki's little um, promo that he does after he's uh, like from the pile driver on John the, Moxley, the, the Gotch style pile driver. Yeah, he says he says something that I have that I don't know what it means. It's definitely a bad a bad thing. I've definitely <laughs> heard it. I've definitely heard it said in anime. Um, and the announced team are just like, well, we can't translate that. Oh, that's yeah, that's where Chris Charlton is like. Uh, Suzuki just said something that I will not translate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's definitely something I have heard in anime. That there's I a tell you what it means. like. I feel like Minoru Suzuki really reminds me weirdly. Do you remember in in Japan they have that brand of barley tea, and there's oh, a little there's yes. a little barley tea man on it that's like the barley. T- yeah, you must not <laughs> trust that man. Do not trust the barley tea man. He tricked me. <laughs> He tricked me into buying his horrible drink. Um, It was not pleasant. He does look like a really happy Minoru Suzuki, you're right. Minoru Suzuki occasionally looks really happy, usually when when he's he's inflicting pain. Or receiving pain. Yeah, Yeah, that's his second favourite thing. This this guy's more like like mischievously happy, I guess. Um, It's not terrifying, it's like comforting. He's like... Come drink my delicious drink. It looks like it should taste really nice, <laughs> but actually, it's just cold tea. It's fucking horrible. Okay. <laughs> the thing to know, yeah, the, the thing that makes Minoru Suzuki happiest is violence. <laughs> yes. Uh, the commentators at one point say, um, uh, "Being hurt is Minoru Suzuki's second favorite thing after hurting other people." Yes. There's that really wonderful interview where he's talking about like having a chat with Ab- uh, was it Ab- Abdullah the Butcher. Uh, yeah, I have the exact. Uh, I can. Uh, I will jump to that exact quote because I've got so uh, from an interview where Minoru Suzuki is recounting a conversation he had with Abdullah the Butcher. Uh, Once we were eating together, he told me that fans want to see something violent. They want to experience something they can't in their daily life. That's why he uses a fork. He asked me. Oh, yeah. What do you use a fork for? I said, to eat. For pork and beef. See? You don't see people stabbing each other with forks, so it's exciting. So I asked him, how can I make my wrestling more violent? He said, don't worry, you're already violent. I've never seen <laughs> anyone enjoy hitting like you. <laughs> yeah, so the, the nice. thing that, like, that, like, I don't know why this, this like, triggered in me, this, like, there's a, a a rap track that that Jamie turned uh, Ben and I onto this year by uh, a Canadian rapper called Buck Sixty Five. A track <laughs> called Craftsmanship, which is about a a dude that just has dedicated his entire life to shining shoes, and the the level of thought that he puts into like cleaning and shining shoes is the level of thought that Minoru Suzuki dedicates every waking moment <laughs> to thinking about violence. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's probably fair. But certainly his character, it seems like, <laughs> like, uh, I was going to say it seems like maybe who the man himself is. I don't know. I think he's actually a very nice man from, like. There was that, um, it's in the Eyepatch Wolf video he talks about it, where um, uh, at the end of his match with um, Jushin Liger, where he just totally breaks character and is like, has a really just nice moment with his friend. Yes. It's <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to miss you. And the whole feud's been him like him being like, you're weak, you shouldn't be quitting, you have to keep wrestling forever. Yeah, he But has... then once it's over, he's just like, uh, oh, well, I'm going to miss wrestling you, actually. It turns out the hardest part of the ring is saying goodbye. <laughs> oh, well, that's the end of the podcast, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>
Because now I have to kill myself. You should joke about that, Ben. But, <laughs> oh, what am I going to joke about now? <laughs> <laughs> it's my one joke. Fuck. <laughs> uh, Pancrase, yeah, he he and uh, Masakatsu Funaki founded Pancrase in 1993. Uh, I won't go into, like, the whole rules of Pancrase as, a, as an MMA organization and stuff, but it was uh, very important in establishing mixed martial arts as, as a thing in Japan and, like, is one of the, the biggest building blocks in really, like, developing the sport in general into into something that has, like, it predates the UFC. Uh, it's it's one of the foundational things is of, like, mixed martial arts being a sport that is kind of respected and considered a real thing. So it's like, it's like a legitimate... <sighs> So Pancrase is weird because not all of it is fully legitimate. Okay. There are some predetermined things. The number of those is disputed. There are some people that are like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, predetermined. Every fight I had in Pancrase was a fucking fight. And then, <laughs> uh, I don't know, Ken Shamrock claims that he only lost to Minoru Suzuki in Pancrase because it was like he was asked to not hurt Suzuki because he would, had injured his back. But also, I don't know that I believe Ken Shamrock. Mm. But, so, some big names in MMA came through Pancrase. Like, Ken Shamrock, Frank Shamrock, Baz Rutten, uh, Guy Metzger, all were, were Pancrase fighters. Gary Shamrock, Steve Shamrock, <laughs> Fred Shamrock, all the Shamrocks. Uh, Suzuki returned to pro wrestling uh, in 2003, uh, after kind of deciding his body was too, like, beaten to, to continue real fights. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just just do the the normal ridiculous amount of damage to my body by pro wrestling. <laughs> uh, he worked as a freelancer for a variety of promotions, including New Japan, All Japan, Pro Wrestling Noah, and CMLL, or uh, is it Consuelo Mundo Lucha Libre? It's one of the biggest uh, Mexican Lucha Libre promotions. Probably the biggest after AAA. Yeah, it's the other one after AAA, isn't it? Did he have a Lucha Libre mask? No. Okay. Uh, he wouldn't hide that <laughs> goblin-like face. That beautiful <laughs> Terrifying the, the, goblin the face. Terrifying goblin slash kindly old man, depending on <laughs> yeah. the mood he's in. Yeah. <laughs> no mask can, can contain those voluminous ears. <laughs> oh, he does have the big sticky-out ears. Real good. Yes. Uh... Just makes him all the more terrifying. Uh, so, uh, winning numerous championships, most notably he won All Japan's Triple Crown. Uh, in May 2011, Taichi and Takamichinoku toned, uh, toned, turned on the leader of the uh, Kojima-gun faction, Satoshi, Satoshi Kojima, and brought in Minoru Suzuki as the, the new leader of the stable, renaming it Suzuki-gun. Suzuki was known in Pancrase for his strong grappling and submissions, and as a wrestler, his character is a sadist who enjoys inflicting pain, sometimes at the expense of the match, which we've already gone into quite a bit. He he often seems like he would rather teach someone a lesson than win. Yeah. Yeah, like, the rules of the match are just a, a, a pretense for him to just, like, hurt a person. There's very early on in this match... It's the one where the commentary team actually acknowledge the fact that there's no count out going on, no count going on, and they're like, uh, Red Shoes knows that if he if he called the count out on this match, they just beat the shit out of him and carry on. Like, 
Suzuki does not care for, <laughs> for such things as rules. Uh, Neither does Red Shoes, particularly. It seems. Uh, Red Shoes cares for rules, but <laughs> when only important. if they don't get in the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't let them get in the way of a good I'm trying match. to enjoy some wrestling. <laughs> so there's there's a great like two part interview from from kind of around the time of this match from just before this match with John Moxley that's on on uh, New Japan World 1972.com which is their official website New Japan Pro Wrestling 1972 not World World is their streaming site uh, but there was a bit of it I wanted to read out that I've lost uh, quick map vamp for us. <laughs> um. So yeah. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> Perfect. You did great, buddy. So uh, the, <laughs> the the interviewer tells Suzuki that the like Moxley is a Suzuki fan, uh, and asks what what Suzuki's thoughts are on him. He's a guy who stepped in my house and didn't take his shoes off at the front door. The former WWE superstar Dean Ambrose changed his look up a bit, and here he is. Look. I've been watching him for a while, yeah. Can he grapple? No. Is he strong? No. Tough? No. He can't do shit. <laughs> interviewer, no. Uh, sorry, interviewer, no? Uh, Suzuki, not shit. But that's created a spot for him. <laughs> and then he wow. goes on to say... <laughs> uh, he, he kind of goes on to talk about the idea of like uh, wrestling like writers and fans want the total package but the total package is boring there's no rough edges and it's like the rough edges the weaknesses in a wrestler that make them interesting so he says he says about moxley that like yeah he's not the total package but it's a bit of a paradox but it's because of that that he got chances in wwe there's no one else like him right nobody in the majors in america is like him so he stands out nobody gets that Look, an absolute all-round perfectionist, the perfect complete player, tens in every category. Not even Tanahashi is that. Naito isn't that. They don't exist. Those slants, the weaknesses, make strength stand out. And that made Moxley stand out. Uh, I think that's a really cool, interesting point about, like, what makes a good wrestler. And it's, like, certainly well within Suzuki's character of, like, now he's shit, he can't do shit. (laughs) But also... Actually, he I quite like him, and and th- uh, yeah, the, the slightly later in the interview, the interviewer says like, so you actually rate him quite highly, and Suzuki says he has something very special about him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like if if someone's just perfect, there's nothing to root for because they're just gonna win, right? Like, yeah, it's it's why maybe people like. Like Eddie Kingston, I guess you brought up. Um, there's a lot of rough edges there. Um, he doesn't necessarily look like someone who's going to end up in the world title picture and whatever. Yeah, and he, like, but he, he's he's very likable and very easy to get behind because of that fact. He looks like a weird schlubby guy that would start a bar fight with you. Yeah, yeah, it's the Marty the Moth Martinez <laughs> thing. <laughs> he didn't like I mean, he'd start a bar bar what, fight. Eddie Kingston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like a kid that dares you. He can eat dirt, so he gets to eat dirt. Like <laughs> that's his entire vibe. Yep, it's very good. Um, hey, hey, hey! How much you pay me to eat that dirt? <laughs> no, nothing. What are you talking about? You shouldn't eat that. A dollar? No. I'll, I'll do it for five bucks. No, I'm not gonna. Do it. One buck. <laughs> no, I don't want you to eat dirt. Take this dollar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I like Eddie Kingston. It made me really happy when he was uh, like seemingly by virtue of being Moxley's friend and and also being a really good wrestler. Yes. Just like thrown into the title picture. <laughs> Just like, like rough boy oh. is friend. <laughs> yeah. I definitely uh, have been that kid that wants people to just dare him to do, like... You still are that kid. Not man. not quite. I'm not going to fucking drink nail polish remover or... <laughs> which, which, okay. Not again. Uh, I didn't drink very much of it because I didn't want to die. But, you know, I, I did... <laughs> oh, it's fine. Though. I did do it because someone suggested I should do it and then immediately went, don't actually do it, you fucking idiot. <laughs> uh, and, like, tried to get people to dare me to eat lard and then just ate a big thing of lard and threw up. <laughs> I just wanted to see what it felt like. Okay, you're like. not quite that good. Yeah. Anymore. I, I grew up from the age of 15 to 29. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now you just spend lots of money on knives. Minoru Suzuki uh, at the New Beginning in Osaka on the 9th of February 2020 in the Osaka Joe Hall, which maybe this is a fucking, like, marky, nerdy thing to say. I think the Osaka Joe Hall is, like, my favourite wrestling venue sure like there's just a vibe to it that i really like like the tokyo dome is so kind of cavernously big and so wrestle kingdom is like a, re- a really like cool environment but it doesn't have the same vibes those huge shows always look like well i'm gonna be miles away from the stage and i can't see what from the stage from the ring and i can't see what's actually happening it's the same as like going to a going to see a band in yeah a going to an arena like it's i'd rather go to a little dive bar and and you know and it feels like there's just see what's going on it feels like osaka crowds are a bit rowdier than the rest of japanese crowds Mm. uh i guess the the other one that would come to my head for wrestling venues is the uh the hammerstein ballroom that ecw used to work out of sometimes that just has a similar cool vibe it's cool to have a balcony sure where people are watching wrestling yeah I I would have loved to have seen wrestling in uh, the temple. Oh yeah, Boyle the, temp- the the Boyle Heights temple definitely yeah. had a vibe. Like the sec and the second temple was not just wasn't as good. No, yeah. no. Now we're bringing up Lucha Underground. How good of a pairing would Dario Cueto and Minoru Suzuki be? <laughs> the two men who love <laughs> violence. violence. More than anyone I, else. I in don't the think world. Minoru Suzuki would respect Dario Cueto's no. lack of willingness to get in and inflict the violence himself all right let's let's start with the the match yeah let's get there eventually (laughs) moxley comes out wearing an eye patch having been stabbed in the eye by chris jericho punish john moxley (laughs) (laughs) the injury is definitely very real and the patch and bandage beneath it absolutely cover the whole eye properly (laughs) (laughs) they definitely do you definitely can't immediately just see that his eye is fine underneath that shit. <laughs> they definitely also won't both be discarded pretty quickly yeah. in the match, and just no one really cares. He's also he knows he's got to turn it up. He's got full swagger on. Yes, he has maximum yeah. marks. Yeah, this is like I'm gonna be fucking beat up the leatheriest, hardest old fucking leathery hard man in Japan. To <laughs> <laughs> work myself up. <laughs> Moxley stands at the top of the ramp and beckons Suzuki to come to him. Suzuki picks up two chairs, gives one to Moxley. Chair duel! That was when the commentators were like, what's Suzuki doing? He's going for a chair. And everyone's like, it's Minoru Suzuki. Of course he's going for a chair. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, I also enjoyed that Moxley comes in not down the ramp, but then through the crowd, but then heads straight to the ramp because <laughs> that's you know that's where this yeah, little you, chair duel is going to work the best. You, you need to be at the top of the ramp for the chair duel, but he's still John Moxley and he still has to come in through the crowd. Yeah, of course, he's a he's a maverick. He's a man of the people. This is, that's his gimmick from the Shield days, uh, and possibly earlier. I don't know if he did it in. Old, old pre WWE John Moxley days. You'd have to have a venue that was big enough for there to be options and, and had somewhere that you can actually come in through the crowd and not just like yeah. an entrance with a curtain over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like some of the fucking little gyms and stuff. I want to yeah. see a cut of this chair, of this chair duel with just Duel of the Fates from Star Wars playing <laughs> over it. I could, yeah, we can do that. Good, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> ben can knock that up for you. Uh. Mox manages to knock the chair out of Suzuki's hands. Suzuki moves in close, gets caught in a headlock. Moxley punches and knees Suzuki as he shoves him down the ramp towards the ring. Moxley pushes Suzuki into the barrier, then picks it up and brings it down on the back of Suzuki's neck. Just <laughs> starting off at a heightened level of violence. Mm. Even even for a John Moxley match. <laughs> uh, Suzuki gets up and catches Moxley with an uppercut to the ribs followed by a few knees and strikes as he pulls Moxley into the crowd while laughing like a lunatic. I think at this point, the bell rings yep. and the announcer starts saying what the match is. Yeah. Um. Uh, but the, like, the next words were, the bell signaling a, uh, an official start to the match rings. Yeah. <laughs> but there's also the announcer in Japanese, obviously, so I didn't know exactly what they were saying, but like, yeah, just, just being it like, sounds oh, like they're, yeah, <laughs> this is a... This is whatever type of match for like one four sixty minute time. Yeah, bit. yeah, like, uh, yeah. That's the way to do it. <laughs> you got to get that done. It's important. Yeah, it's got to be on the record. Yeah. Where's how anyone know that the match happened? <laughs> uh, Suzuki throws Moxley into some hastily vacated audience seating and throws chairs at him. Suzuki and Moxley brawl through the audience, throwing each other into the timekeeper's table and hitting each other with fists, knees, and pretty much anything else that's to hand. I think the eye patch is already gone at this point, uh, or it's like twisted around to the back of his head. Yeah, I think I think it's already gone around to the side, and then yeah. it like gets taken off fairly shortly after that. Yeah. Uh, Rechizuno gets close to canning both men out, so they decide to finally get into the ring. Moxley asks Suzuki to hit him, and Suzuki generously obliges. <laughs> they trade forearms. Suzuki is unimpressed with Moxley's strikes, laughing and showing him how it's really done. He he does the little Moxley swagger at one point yeah. as well, just to rile him up, which uh, which I enjoyed. Uh, Moxley switches to close fists and gets a warning from Uno. Suzuki merely laughs again. More forearms. Suzuki seems to be having a whale of a time. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> He's like, yeah, he just is having so much fun. At like, that's not how you hit me. Come on, hit me harder. <laughs> uh. Having shown himself to be the superior lunatic when it comes to hitting each other in the face, Suzuki whips a dazed Moxley into the corner, boots him in the midsection, and snapmares him onto the canvas for a PK, or penalty kick. But Moxley grabs hold of his leg. Moxley gets to his feet, keeping hold of Suzuki's leg, then grabs Minoru Suzuki's head for a nibble. That's, uh, some more eyebrow biting. Yeah, more, some more biting. Yeah. <laughs> There's an exchange of forearms and headbutts, plus some more biting. Then Moxley tosses Suzuki out of the ring. They brawl at ringside, briefly terrifying the English commentary team as they crash into the <laughs> announce table. They like Gino Gambino in particular is like, "Oh fuck! Oh, he's right here, mate! Oh fuck!" 
So there's yeah, this is the this is the less funny um time when the announcers are very scared. We'll get to the yes. the much funnier one that's coming up. <laughs> but it is good to see them seemingly genuinely concerned. <laughs> that, yeah. In a way that I don't think they were in the other matches. There's there was um in the very first one there's just like uh Jishin Liger just like kind of holding on to the desk so it doesn't go anywhere and having a little look at what's going on. <laughs> like he doesn't care. <laughs> He's not worried. But uh these guys when Minoru Suzuki's around. Yep. Yeah. Uh Moxley chokes Suzuki on the floor of the aisle, but Suzuki scissors Moxley head Moxley's head and tries to lock in an armbar. Red Shoes tries to encourage them to go back to the ring to no avail. It's like, could you, could you just do this, but in there? You're doing a wrestling. Do, yeah. Just do it in the place. Nah, no, thank you. So close Submissions to are in the ring. <laughs> Moxley, having resisted the armbar, manages to turn Suzuki for a single leg Boston Crab. Red Shoes, trying to regain control of the match, gets them to at least move in the direction of the ring. <laughs> Moxley throws Suzuki into a barrier, and Suzuki retaliates with some stiff strikes. Moxley whips Suzuki hard into the barricade, throwing himself to the floor in the process. Suzuki, on his feet, yells, Kalan! <laughs> gleefully inciting Moxley to do his worst. <laughs> Still on the outside, Suzuki shoves Mox into the barricade and tries to lift Moxley over, the t- over onto a table. Moxley resists, then forgets how metal works and tries to use a barricade like <laughs> ring rope for momentum into a low clothesline. It's just the fucking dumbest nonsense. We talked about this when we oh were watching God. it together that I feel like uh, Moxley sometimes is just like, I, I don't know, maybe I'll do this. Maybe this will look good. I, yeah. I almost feel like that was like running on instinct of like he hits the ropes and then does the low clothesline. I guess so, yeah. And like, oh shit, this is a fucking yeah. barrier. <laughs> Not even John Moxley, just the man John Good. Yeah. Like, yeah. like runs, turns around, thunks his back a little bit against the barrier and then just starts running again in the office. Oh, it's fucking amazing. <laughs> Best. Uh, Moxley pulls a table from under the ring while Suzuki crawls to grab a chair. Moxie starts to drag Suzuki towards the table, but Suzuki jabs him in the ribs with the chair and pulls him into a head-wrenching submission. This is the point where the commentary team say, Red Shoes has got to step in, <laughs> and Red Shoes does not step in. Yeah, Red, Red Shoes <laughs> stays where he is. <laughs> yep. Thank you very much. The first of uh, at least a couple of times when that happens. Uh, he does eventually, Red Shoes forces Suzuki to break the hold, so he picks up a chair and is about to fold it around Moxley's elbow and forearm when the commentators draw his attention. He scares the absolute shit out of them <laughs> as he grabs another chair from behind the announcer's desk. This is great. Like, they're all really selling, oh god, Minoru Suzuki is coming towards us, and he's just picking up another chair from behind them. It's really good. <laughs> so, uh, so I wrote down exactly what they said, which is, shit, Kevin, get me out of here. <laughs> And Kevin responds, We're dead. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good commentary team. Excellent. Uh, Like, does Suzuki have a history of attacking the announcers? Or is uh, it just that he's enough of a little violence man that. Yes, he he will attack people that annoy him. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, Moxley has one arm folded into a chair and Suzuki is about to smash it with a second chair. Red Shizuno intervenes and gets pushed aside. Suzuki slams Moxley's arm with the chair. Commentator Kevin Kelly exclaims, John Moxley's arm! Broken! Has to be broken! 
he keeps repeating that as yeah. he goes on. It's like his, his arm's got to be broken. It must be. It's, yeah, he's clearly using it for punches and then just shaking <laughs> no, it a little it, bit like it, it hurts. It must be broken. No, it's definitely broken. It, it's uh, it's not quite, uh, by God, that man is broken in half, but it's <laughs> it's close. <laughs> Suzuki cackles and sticks out his tongue then grabs Moxley's arm and twists it using the table as leverage before slamming it into the ring post then pulling Moxley into an armbar on the apron Moxley manages to pick Suzuki up and throw him through the table get off my arm, get off my arm <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this this is the part where uh, Suzuki looks the most like a giant baby where <laughs> Moxley's even, there's even a bit where he gets like his hand behind his head like he's got a cradle the yes. neck of this big baby that he's going to put on the table. I, I think it's like it, it's something about the like the cut of the trunks and the low boots yeah. and the like shape of his body all like he's clearly in in shape but it's not none of there's no glamour muscles to him. I think I said before that he looks like he looks like someone who is uh who was watching TV in his pants and has run outside <laughs> Uh, to shout at some noisy children, um, he's got that kind of energy. Just put on his just his work shoes that were by the door. I think I think and it's here that he street. like after being thrown through the table, he like he's lying on his back and he opens his eyes and he's got like the happiest little yes. smile. Uh, it's it's just it's in a little bit. It's uh, oh, is it? Is it? Yeah. Oh no, that is if I, yeah. After he's been thrown through the table, he's lying on the floor in the ruins of the table. Just opens his eyes and just smiles. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the point where the come where where Chris Charlton talks about how uh, being hurt is his second favorite thing in the yeah, world. I think I think you're right. Uh, Suzuki, with splinters in his back, gets to his feet, carrying a big chunk of table, <laughs> and laughing, smashes it into his own head. <laughs> <laughs> Moxley, with another remnant of what was once a cheap folding table, screams and does the same thing in the ring. <laughs> I mean, you've, you've got it, right? It's just—it's like two different approaches to being fucking mental. Like, ha 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 ha, smash, 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 and just ah, smash, smash. Yep. <laughs> a, ma- a man beyond his limit versus a man that is just the no joker. Limits. Yeah. <laughs> Suzuki and Moxie face off in the ring. Moxie clutches his arm as Suzuki nods. Moxie throws an elbow with his injured right arm and immediately recoils in pain. Suzuki shows him how it's done, and Moxie tries again, still selling the pain. Suzuki hits him hard enough that Moxie falls to one knee. Mox switches to his left elbow, but there's not a lot of force behind it. No, 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 no. Come on, come on! From Suzuki, encouraging Moxie to hit him properly. Moxie throws a combination of elbows, but again, the pain is too much. Suzuki laughs and just wallops Moxley. I think this exchange is the second point. Maybe it's a little bit further on, where uh, the commentators say, Red Shoes has got to step in, <laughs> and Red Shoes does not step in. <laughs> They're fighting, aren't they? What? Yeah. Uh, Moxley slaps himself in the face, then hits a right elbow with some real force, yelling, Calm! I don't give a fuck! As he rolls his injured arm. Exchange of forearms, Moxley refusing to be beaten even as Suzuki smiles. Headbutt from Moxley before hitting the ropes, but Suzuki is quick behind him. Mox dodges, goes for a lariat. Suzuki ducks, slip behind, slips behind Moxley and catches him in a rear naked choke. Moxley tries everything to escape the choke, but Suzuki holds on. It looks like Moxley is passed out and Suzuki goes for a pin, but Mox manages to kick out at two. You missed the part 
where um, Mox Mox is like using his right arm again, and he just shouts, "I don't give a fuck! Break my fucking arm!" <laughs> I, I, yeah, I did miss that. <laughs> yeah, it's another another good moment. Great. Another very good Moxley. Uh, again, the line. the purpose of this match is not for for Minoru Suzuki. It's not for Minoru Suzuki to win. The purpose of this match is that like. It's like in the Killing Joke, where the Joker is trying to jokeify Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> he thinks he might have found a kindred spirit and needs to bring him up to the yeah, Suzuki yeah. level. His 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 objective is to fucking like just make John Moxley really break past his limits. <laughs> I uh, think he does a good job. Yeah, yeah. in a minute. It's I, it's also a cool like it, it's slightly weird, but I think it's a cool like the idea that. Uh, Rather than taking the win because your opponent is knocked out, releasing at the moment that you think they've passed out so that you can pin them, so that you're <laughs> like, no, I want to win by having pinned you. Yeah. Is like an interesting cool spot. Mm. It's not interesting if I just pushed your off button. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Suzuki hits a full force PK and goes for another pin. Moxie kicks out again. He's not done yet. Uh, this looks to have earned a modicum of respect from Suzuki. Suzuki hits a combination of palm strikes. So those quick, like, kind of slaps. Sometimes they're with the lower palm. The, a lot of that comes from Pancrase, and Pancrase had, like, strict rules on mm. how you can hit people in the head at, at different times and stuff. I don't think that those fast strikes, I don't think they look great in, like, almost any configuration. Like, the nadir of that is when, like, is, like, the, the sh- uh, Shane McMahon, like, rabbit punches. Oh, well. Which is, I, like, terrible. Like, yeah. I th- like, these are approaching looking like they hurt. These I, at least look like there's maybe some sort of martial arts grounding behind them. Like, you're sort of hitting specific points, maybe. Yeah. Mm. Um, they don't look super effective or anything, I, I guess. I think they... They're better than Shane McMahon's rabbit punches. <laughs> well, like, far and away. I mean, that's a low bar, yeah. John Moxley looks less like a dude that's being like, beat hell for leather, and more a guy that's like, ah, get off, no. I, I think the purpose of the the like, the like palm strikes in a moment like this is, is like it's it's just a flurry that's really hard to deal with. It's No, no single blow is going to do real damage. It's like it's not letting know. him think. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That, I mean, like that, it's... That's the logic of it, to me at least. It's it's yeah. it's in the like the 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 like the good range of <laughs> of that type of fast strike. It's something that doesn't necessarily work for me all the time. That's fair enough. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there had to be like something in the match that didn't work for you. Because <laughs> th- this was the one watching all the other matches, and like I had little complaints about all of them. There's like little things that I didn't like, and then I got to this one was like I just liked all of this. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's very good. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think we're spoiling anything to say that all three of us would pick this as uh, our favourite match of the mm. six. Oh, it's Absolutely. So good. Uh, yeah, so, uh, Suzuki hits a combination of palm strikes. Moxley replies with a running knee, knocking Suzuki to his knees. Another running knee takes Suzuki to the mat. It's Moxley's turn for a cover. Suzuki kicks out at two. Moxley looks for a death rider. Suzuki reverses, hits a forearm. Moxley replies with a fuck you and a forearm of his own. Mox goes for another running knee but gets drop kicked by Suzuki. Suzuki tries a gotch style pile driver. Mox escapes, hits Death Rider, pins, but Suzuki kicks out of Death Rider. I don't. I, I couldn't find definitively if 
anyone had kicked out of Death Rider before that. I don't think, at least in New Japan, anyone had kicked out of Death Rider at that point. I think commentary made a big deal out of it, so I would, so I would expect that that is the case. I, I imagine um, someone has kicked out of the paradigm shift in AEW, because oh, yeah, these yeah. wrestling world matches yeah. in AEW. I mean, how many matches has John Moxley had in in, in New Japan. Japan at this point, uh, I mean, there's more than these because he was in the G1, in the G1. which is a tournament, yeah. and there's but like like his, some tag matches. Yeah, and... like his first match with Juice was like, did you say it was his first or it was just pretty? It early? was. That was it his was first. Just... Yeah, that was yeah. his first match after leaving WWE. So this, he can't have had more than ten matches uh, so far. I think he's probably had the in G1's... New Japan. If you're including like the tag matches that they do at the openings of shows and stuff, he probably has had more than ten. But yeah, he won't probably. have had more than ten big matches, probably. Eh, yeah. Try to think how many matches you would wrestle in the G one. Because you wrestle quite a few matches in the tournaments. Yeah. Quite a few overall. It's quite an intense yeah. kind of schedule, isn't it? Uh, Moxie tells Suzuki, "I'm gonna finish this motherfucker," and kisses <laughs> him on the forehead. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's beautiful, beautiful and sweet. Oh. Little good night, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like you, you can like. It kind of it cuts away quite quickly, but like that, this this pleases Suzuki. Yes, <laughs> that's another moment God. of like you kind of you're gonna see Moxley like, am I gonna do this? <laughs> like we didn't plan this, but I think I'm gonna give him a little kiss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, another excellent moment. <laughs> Moxley pulls two chairs from under the ring, one for himself and one for Suzuki. Reggie tries to prevent another t- uh, another chair duel. But Suzuki doesn't pick up his chair, instead trying to wrench the chair out of Moxie's hands, knocking Uno over in the process. Mox smashes Suzuki over the over the head with the chair so hard that the seat comes out of it. <laughs> Suzuki just grins and sticks his tongue out. Some more great like face acting from, from Moxley looking really shocked and then just putting the broken chair around his neck and going for the other <laughs> yeah, one. But it's like <laughs> the fucking seat came out of it. Well, I guess this goes over my head. <laughs> yeah, that's where that goes now. Free body armor. <laughs> uh, Moxley tries to death rider Suzuki onto a chair. Suzuki reverses, attempts a gotch-style pile driver. Moxley blocks, hits a double-arm DDT onto the chair. Suzuki laughs again as Mox beats his chest and amps himself up. Quick palm strikes from Suzuki. This time it's Moxley laughing and sticking out his tongue. I, I like that, like the progression through the match, the match of like, oh, he's he's Suzuki fied at this point. <laughs> yeah, he's got there. <laughs> Moxie hits a big lariat and Suzuki struggles to stay on his feet. Another lariat takes him down. Mox picks him up. Death Rider, no kick out this time. Moxie has to set there successfully defended his United States Championship at seventeen minutes and eighteen seconds. And Suzuki is lying there. Still grinning. Yep. <laughs> Looking very, very pleased with everything. And then I don't know if you saw this, Jamie, because it's not on the the like YouTube compilation of these matches. But, okay. Uh, after the bell, Zack Sabre Jr. comes out yeah! and attacks John Moxley, choking him out and oh, picking okay. up the belt. Uh, nothing has come out of that yet, but you know there was a plague that meant that the, there wasn't yeah. another U.S. title match for a year. So yeah, this is still early twenty twenty, isn't it? This is like March. That was February twenty twenty. February, okay. Uh, but hopefully, that's a thing that they've kept in mind because I'd I'd love Zack Saber Junior. John Moxley match. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'd uh, love to see that. So different, like, I, like yeah. I I think to me, the way I would book it is you start with like Mox trying to wrestle Zack's match, and and then at some point 
have Zack Sabre Jr. like get frustrated with not being able to make Moxley tap out and go to more like violent stuff and it degrades into a Moxley fucking tables and chairs and sounds good to me one beautiful day and the Zack Sabre Jr. is one of my absolute favourite wrestlers working today so I would be very much in favour of that yeah all the uh, the YouTube compilation had was um, had Suzuki leaving and like pushing people away that are trying to help him staggering yeah. around just destroying the barricades on his <laughs> yes. way out yeah just breaking <laughs> just everything as he walks off. past it yeah um, yeah just the match is over but he's not not quite done yet some background on Kenta whose uh, full name is Kenta Kobayashi but shortened it to just Kenta so as not to be confused with uh, wrestling legend and one of his mentors Kenta Kobashi uh, I see uh, uh, Kenta has a kickboxing background and incorporates a lot of strong kicks into his re- wrestling he uh Innovated the finishing move Go to Sleep or the GTS, which was introduced to a much wider audience as CM Punk's finisher. Oh, is that is that a Kenta like original? Yeah. Oh wow, cool. Kenta OG. Kenta uh, Kenta looks like a protagonist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, he has. Uh, he he def- him and why have I blanked on his name? Uh, the the half of the Golden Lovers that isn't Kenny Omega. Oh. Kotobushi, yes. right? K- Kenta is the guy that you think is the protagonist and ends up being evil, and Ibushi <laughs> is the guy that was like the nerdy best friend but grows up to be fucking super athletic and cool. Yeah, yeah. what? So like, Ibushi, Ibushi is the 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 act the, like the sweet boy protagonist of the like shonen wrestling anime. Yeah, but Kenta is maybe the like the the dark rival. Yes, exactly. But they were best friends in middle school. They both, they both, they, they are definitely like create a wrestler default zero zero one and zero zero two. Certainly on a Japanese create a wrestler. Sure. Oh yeah, no fucking yeah. Fire bro. Uh, yeah, a WWE create a wrestler is a weird bald alien. That's the that's the like before you've done anything. It's this weird bald alien that's kind of like if Christopher Daniels was jacked. Before and I I don't trust any like Western video game studio to make a create a, a character that just like that anyone looks like that isn't white <laughs> look, <laughs> look in uh in smackdown one on the playstation the original <laughs> playstation you could just make vince mcmahon but turn all the sliders up to full so he was a giant hulking beast <laughs> vince mcmore <laughs> which i did <laughs> uh giant vince mcmahon was he was every champion except the women's champion because he wasn't allowed uh there has been some like That's my first year at university. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was mostly what I did. <laughs> there has been some kind of online beef, which I, I honestly can't tell how genuine and how like joking it is between Kenta and CM Punk over the the GTS and Kenta okay. demanding royalties for for all of the times <laughs> Punk used the GTS and like uh, what some other like younger indie wrestlers have like. Uh, used it and messaged punk and been like oh this is a cool thing i'm inspired by you and punk's like it's fu- it's cool with me i really enjoyed it maybe don't tell the other guy though he seems to get real touchy <laughs> about this stuff and then kenta replies i i don't care what anyone else uses it only you <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like um, imagine if Jake the Snake got weird every time anyone uses DDT. It's um yes, which actually he didn't invent that, but he did invent the name for it, so sure. and popularized okay. it. It's Sammy Guevara uses it quite a bit as well, or at least he did for a while. It was his finisher. He called Isn't it the his, G- uh, like an inverted GTS. Does he not do it like slightly differently? Um, I can't remember. I mean, he, I calls it, he calls it the GTH. They go to hell. <laughs> um, but I thought it was. I think it's basically the same. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, like from the that like fireman's lift position on the shoulders. Yeah. Throw to the ground, knee to the head. Yeah. Yeah. Ouch. No, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's the same move. Maybe. Maybe. Is, does Kent have them facing downwards, and maybe Sammy has them facing upwards? Yeah, that's what I thought. Might be. That might be the difference. Yeah. So you're either kneeing them in the face or kneeing them in the, the back of the back head. Of the neck, yeah. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> it's not not fun either way, really, is it? <laughs> and like it makes sense as a former kickboxer that that's like your finishing move. Yes. Uh Kenta started his career in two thousand for All Japan Pro Wrestling, where he was trained by the legendary Kenta Kobashi, but left with his mentor. Uh, to join Mitsuhara Misawa's new promotion, Pro Wrestling Noah, which is when uh, three of the four pillars of pro wrestling, like the biggest stars of all Japan, left the company to go to Pro Wrestling Noah because of disputes over how it was being run. Okay. Uh, in Pro Wrestling Noah, Kenta built a reputation as a hard-kicking junior heavyweight who put on excellent matches. Due to Noah's talent share program with Ring of Honor, Kenta wrestled many of the biggest names in the US Indies at the time. Uh, for just a few, Brian Danielson, the Briscoe Brothers, Samoa Joe, and Tyler Black, who people will be more familiar with now as Seth Rollins. Nice. Uh, this time at Noah, Kenta won the GHC Heavyweight Championship, Junior Heavyweight Championship three times, Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship three times, and the GHC Tag Team Championship. In 2014, Kenta signed with the WWE, where he was renamed Hideo Itami and uh, wrestled on NXT and then later 205 Live. His progress in WWE was stymied by injury, and also he felt that the company's style of wrestling didn't leave a lot of room for his vision of wrestling. Since leaving the company in 2019, Kenta stated, uh, I went to America, I went to WWE, and I didn't really achieve what I set out to do there. I didn't get the results I wanted. It's like I came into the company to bring my style of wrestling worldwide, but what actually uh, became was bending and adapting to what the company wanted. That's important in a sense, but the strength and aggression that I bring to the table got lost. That's a real shame. I think that's a pretty fair summary of what the the, the five years in WWE were. Like, He just didn't seem to get a chance to shine when he was there. Just a real through line of people like underutilized by the WWE. It's I mean, a w- yeah. Kent is a weird one because a lot of people that like do while they're in NXT and then like get moved up to the main roster and they don't know what to do with them. But Kent are even in NXT like, and it's partly some big injuries that took him out and like really killed the momentum. Mm. But yeah, never really felt like he got a big foothold as like. Oh, this is a really cool guy that we should do stuff with, and then they're like, "I, I guess we put him on our our cruiserweight show because we don't know what else to do with him." Was he one of the guys you came through the cruiserweight classic? 
No. Uh, he like got signed straight to NXT. He got signed, I think he got signed around the time Kevin Owens did. He was in NXT with Owens and like in that era. And I think one of his injuries was explained by Owens attacking him in a parking lot. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> the logic. Okay. That's the writing on Helicor for uh, Lucha <laughs> on the ground for a bit. Yeah. Method. <laughs> so, oh, somebody has a legit injury. Let, let's make a storyline to explain their absence for at least nine months, possibly 18. <laughs> yeah. It's nice that Angelico doesn't injure himself all the time anymore. He would, <laughs> I, I swear there was there was an episode of Lucha on the Ground where he came back and injured himself in the match where he came back and then went away again. Um, just... I think that might have been when they had the little vignette of him being beaten up in a car park. That, that real flippy uh, South African boy. Yeah. He does more like holes and stuff now. Rather yes. than he can't jump off Dario Cueto's office anymore because because they don't have Dario Cueto's office in uh, Daly's place. I really like uh, and Helico and Jack Evans as a team. They are great. Uh, they, I I I totally understand why they are in the position they are in that tag division, but they've got a lot of really good really tag like teams. Them to, would be to nice get to get more. more of them. Yeah. 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 Um, they tend to be used as like the kind of gatekeepers, like the newer people have got to beat them before they can, you know, beat anyone else or get onto the <laughs> or get onto TV onto Dynamite. Anyway, sorry, Kenta. Uh, Kenta made a surprise appearance at New Japan's Dominion Six Nine in Osaka Joe Hall to announce that he would be participating in the company's G One Climax Tournament. Uh, he didn't win the G1, but he did turn on his friend and manager Katsuyori Shibata and joined the Bullet Club. In August 2020, Kenta won the inaugural New Japan Cup USA, which earned him the right to challenge John Moxley for his United States Championship. So that's the they they did a a tournament for the right to challenge for the US Championship because it had been undefended for so long because of the pandemic, uh, and he basically has a like money in the bank briefcase that is the right to challenge he's got his big red briefcase yes there was a nice bit in the in the um match where they're talking about how he's used it as a weapon so many times that they had to get him a new one because <laughs> um, it was just it destroyed was just beaten to shit <laughs> yeah uh kenta defended this right to challenge against hiroshi tanahashi and satoshi kojima before finally being able to face moxley and the 26th of february episode of New Japan World Wrestling Strong, mm. which is their like US-based weekly show. Yeah, and it's so it's a weird from being on the twenty-sixth of February, twenty twenty-one. It's still like uh, the pandemic is not like we're kind of getting it under control, but we're not. We don't feel comfortable having a crowd. So the match is just like this weird dark studio with crew and like ring staff, but no mm. audience. Yeah, I'll say watching watching this series of matches so far, it's it's all you know, it's all available for free in one in basically in one long sort of two and a bit hour run on the New Japan uh, YouTube channel, and it just sort of skips straight from match to match. And it, unfortunately, I think that kind of harms this match because you, you've gone from the most raucous you know like people hooting and hollering 
everywhere at Minoru Suzuki and 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 then it just like it's it's a real different right energy and yeah when you're watching them all in a in a row it it feels jarring like i think cuz i've watched all of these matches a bunch to do this i i enjoyed it a lot more in isolation than mm. i it, it today was the third time i'd watched it to to prep for this and it was the first time i think that i really appreciated it as like it's a it's a good match it it has a hard time following Minoru Suzuki, mm. um, but it is a good match. It's just yes. in unfortunate circumstances. Like I don't, I don't know that I think it's the right thing to do. But like, if you watch like Impact at the moment, they have this weird sort of piped-in crowd noise, and the crowd seems to like. I don't know how they're doing it. Like, it seems to get like more excited when like big stuff's <laughs> happening. I don't know if they're like recording a crowd somewhere else or something, but like it might be broadcasts. Yeah, it just it could it, be. It, yeah, it like... really, it really helps it feel less like that weird performance art of two men slapping each other for a while. Like the um, last, the last few like... uh, seasons of Taskmaster have done that, where it's like the the people in the like theater are recording it in an empty room, but there's like a distanced cinema yeah. of people watching it that is then recorded and that's what you hear like watching it at home you hear people laughing that that were watching it in real time it's not like a fake laugh track it's like an actual audience reaction yeah i mean I, asynchronous I, live yeah i assume that must be what they're doing with impact but it, it just it just helps kind of lift it a little bit and make it feel less awkward um yeah, I don't know. I, I guess everyone, I guess, I mean, got I've, used to the no audience wrestling for a while. But yeah, some of those. I, do you remember? Um, do you remember Braun Strowman wrestling <laughs> uh, Bray Wyatt in his like kid show host guys in yes. his jumper? It, it was not the fiend. It was just Bray, yeah. Bray Wyatt in his like nice like V neck jumper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was it was the first time that i really realized that like braun Strowman shouldn't try and improvise like his his like trash talk in the ring was really bad <laughs> he's he <laughs> has no like kevin owens or john moxley <laughs> no um but yeah I, I feel like it's got a bit less awkward since then and and i think there is an interesting weirdness to it but it's certainly like jarring when positioned in the middle of like matches with audiences sure yeah uh, th- there's also like one note before we start talking maybe two notes before we start talking through the actual <laughs> events um, the New Japan Strong set is uh, too small and also has no crowd so Moxley can't enter through the crowd he just has to come out of their very short ramp <laughs> yes um, which I is quite like I quite like the smallness of it, it like the it, dimly lit like you can't see too much what's going on outside is like it's a nice touch it, yeah it helps the atmosphere of it the... almost feels like there are shadowy rich men somewhere <laughs> somewhere watching on camera yeah it has a, the outcome it has like an underground club type vibe mm. yeah um also i think it's nice that they let the uh, work experience referee uh <laughs> do the their uh, big title match Kenta comes out with his right to challenge briefcase. Uh, 
uh, Kenta and Moxley immediately face off and trade elbows. Kenta hits a big boot to Moxley. Mox replies with a tackle, knocking Kenta to the mat. Moxley chops Kenta in the corner a few times. Snapmare to the middle of the ring. Low angle clothesline. Mox goes for a, a pin. The ref barely has a chance to get down for a one count before Kenta kicks out. I really, like, you don't see it often enough, in my opinion, of people kicking out at one. Like, it's very rare, and I, I like the idea, especially when it's an early pin. Just like, nah, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like we were talking about earlier with the, the like, psychology of pins. I quite like this, the, like, the psychology of a kick out of, like, if it's early enough, just, just being like, kicking out forcefully and quickly ha- has an impact. And mm, I, I enjoy I so. it. <laughs> Moxley stays on top of Kenta, putting him in a bulldog choke, but Kenta gets to the rope, forcing the break. Kenta pulls Moxley's throat and jaw down onto the rope. The lack of the crowd means we can clearly hear the referee, Jeremy Marcus, saying, Don't use the rope. (laughs) (laughs) Please. It definitely felt like that to me. Come on. (laughs) Kenta on the apron, about to launch over the ropes at Moxley, but gets caught in the face with an elbow and falls to the outside. Not quite as cool as pushing Juice Robinson off the top turn buckle. No, it didn't have the like funny like. (laughs) But it's a it's a nice. It's it's a good the the, a nice contrast between like well he's going for his springboard thing, but Marx is just there to just shove him away. Yeah, just bam. Yeah, it's um it shows a nice contrast in styles. I think. Um, Kendra and Moxley brawl on the outside. Moxley gets Kenta in position for a suplex, but Kenta blocks, throwing punches at Moxley's ribs, then hits a suplex of his own. Kenta picks up his right to challenge briefcase from the timekeeper's table and tries to crack Mox over the head with it, but gets a boot to the guts. Moxley sets up for a pile driver onto the briefcase, but Kenta escapes and DDTs Moxley onto the briefcase. So yeah, I guess in the in the year between matches, Moxley's sort of added a pile driver to his repertoire. Because it's not something that he really did before, yes. I don't think. Yeah. I think it's, that's a, a, it's, a newer, it's a newer move for him. I mean, I guess he spent quite a long time in a company that does not allow you to do a pile driver unless <laughs> your name is The Undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> unless yeah. your thighs are so fucking long <laughs> that you can just like get down on your knees and definitely not ever hit a dude on the head. That's AEW, they're all about it. <laughs> we got all the different types of pile drivers. I mean, as a, a friend of ours will complain about when the young bucks will hit a tombstone pile driver and it's <laughs> almost a transition move. Yeah, <laughs> there's the young bucks and that. Get all their finishes in in the same match. <laughs> You've got to have a spot fest or it's not a young bucks match. Kenta rolls Moxley back into the ring and covers. Mox kicks out at two. Kenta kicks Moxley hard in the back a few times and forces Moxley's neck and jaw into the bottom rope with his boot, like choking him against the rope, like he's got stamping like, him down. He's got the... like both feet on his yeah. neck at one point. And he's like, like holding, holding onto, onto the, the rope. rope and forcing down. I thought that was a really that was, cool. that was a really nice bit. Yeah, that was one of the one of the parts I really liked. Jeremy Marcus begins the count. Kenta breaks on three and gets warned not to choke. Kenta picks Moxley up for a neck breaker and another pin attempt. Moxley kicks out at two. Kenta slaps Moxley in the face, encouraging him to get up and fight. Mox gets up and hits a few forearms. Kenta slips behind to the mat and drop toe holds Moxley, quickly following with an elbow drop, then mounting the prone Moxley and battering the back of his head. Like, just really fucking mm. going for it. I really liked the, like... Also, it feels way more exposed when someone's face down and you're, like, the back of their head. 
I thought the, that was a. Sorry, Matt. Go on. It's, it's the the bit in a in a UFC match where they fucking stop the match. Yes. Cause... <laughs> yeah, it's you're failing to protect yourself. That's it. That's a TKO. Hmm. I thought it was a, a really nice um, little sequence there. I have written nice in my notes. <laughs> uh, the drop toe hold, and then just the speed that he sort of flowed over and got yeah. into that elbow drop was was really was really nicely done. Um, uh, really slick. The referee calls Kenta to break. Kenta rolls Moxley onto his back, hits a knee drop, and then a second. He pulls down his knee pad as if to hit an unprotected knee drop, and instead jumps over Moxley and disrespectfully kicks him with the back of his heel right in the ear. That was also great. <laughs> I think Moxley's like, why in the ear? Yeah, in the ear? You're like, ah, in the ear. <laughs> um, I, I, like, I like moves like that where it's like, looks like you're going for something big and flashy, and then, no, just disrespect. Um, who, who was it? There was someone in AEW who would like set them up on the far side of the ring against the turnbuckle, go to the opposite corner, get up on the on the um, uh, on the top turnbuckle, and then just jump off and walk over and slap him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, who was who was it that used to do that? Sammy Guevara used to do something as well, where it's like, oh, he's going to go for a, uh, a flip, and he would just well, hop off and slap him. That wasn't an MJF move, was it? The maybe it was, yeah. That would sort of make sense. Yeah. It? Um, I also like a uh, Sunny Kiss just somersaulting across the ring and then just stopping and slapping him in the face. <laughs> it's all the all the looks like a big move. Actually, it's just a slap. Uh, <laughs> unlike the um, the people's elbow, which has all of that fucking <laughs> like running running the ropes, big theatrics, and then it's an elbow drop, but it still has the impact of it being a really big move yeah. for no reason. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's the power. It's still the power of the rock. Like, it still looks cool, though. Yeah, sure. Kenta stomps and kicks the down Moxley, who's struggling to make it to his feet. Kenta delivers a series of stiff kicks to the chest of a kneeling Moxley. Mox catches Kenta's leg and holds on, using it as a support to get to his feet. They trade forearms. A hard shot from Kenta staggers Moxley, who falls backwards, slumped into the corner. Kenta takes a run at Moxley, but he's back on his feet. Lariat? No! Kenta ducks, gets Moxley onto his shoulders. Mox escapes, throws Kenta to the outside, and suicide dives out of the ring, barely catching Kenta. This is another accuracy, like, just just glanced off him, really. Yeah, he'd been taking some pointers from Juice. <laughs> um, yeah, it, w- it was one of those where it's like, it got his arm out and kind of caught him with it as he went past, but really, yeah, but really otherwise... not quite on target. Yeah. Um, like, he got nine percent of it. I don't know. Don't <laughs> yeah. know why I said nine like that, or why I picked nine percent. I was going to say fifteen, and my head went nine. He caught the floor more than he caught Kenta. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. They they both they both sell uh, on the outside as if it was like a full hit, which gives them both a, a little bit of a chance to catch their breath. Which is a standard, normal thing to do in a wrestling match. It's weirder when there is no crowd and it's like, okay, it's just, we're just. That's what I was saying. Yeah, earlier, there's just yeah. two guys lying on the floor for a bit. Yeah, there's another bit. I, I don't know exactly where it comes up, but 
Yeah, where they're in the center of the ring, just lying on each other for a <laughs> bit, and it's. I think I liked that bit more because they're like both selling how knackered they are. Yeah, I guess so. I it's mean, still, I guess they're doing just... that in this bit as well a bit, but. It still just seems a bit awkward without like the crowd cheering them on or whatever. Yeah. So. Uh, Moxley hits Kento with some forearms, then a headbutt knocks Kento to the floor. Moxley heads up the ramp for a jumping knee off the stage and pulls a table from under the ring. Jeremy Marcus tries to uh, persuade Moxley to take, this, uh, to take the action back into the ring. Moxley has the table set up as Kento pulls himself up on the timekeeper's table. Kento smashes Mox over the head with the belt. I really like that. Like he's looking like he's just clawing himself up and has sneakily grabbed the belt to hit him with it. Like that, they that had was a, a nice. Sorry, yeah, they, they had a really good camera angle on it as well, with like Mark yeah. sitting at the table in the foreground and him, yeah, him being sneaky in the background. Moxley <laughs> <laughs> uh, is lying flat on the table. Kenta climbs the ropes and elbow drops Moxley from the top rope through the table. Table, Kenta, and Moxley lie contorted in a heap, and Jeremy Marcus begins to count them out. Not the table. It's an inanimate fucking object. Slapping <laughs> <laughs> at my own joke. <laughs> yeah. Kenta rolls back into the ring uh, by 10, and the commentators remind us that he can win the United States title by counter under New Japan rules. Moxley, trying to shake himself awake, finally makes it back into the ring. Just under the wire. Yeah, this was where what I was talking about, where he's like lying there, and then it gets to like eighteen, and he's sort of shakes his head and he's like, "Oh, oh, yeah. oh, right, yeah, I remember where I am." Uh, yeah. As soon as Mox is back in the ring, Kenta is running at him, jumping boot into the corner, followed by a drop kick, then a double foot stomp from the top rope. That was a really nice little sequence. Yeah. Um, Just quick, hard hitting. Yeah, there were a few bits like that where Kenta's just like just really smooth, really slick transitions yeah. and moves. Um, yeah, and that was that was a particularly good one. He's uh he's all right. He's all right, <laughs> Kenta. Uh, Kenta goes for a pin. Moxley kicks out at two and a half. Kenta yells "finish" and drags his <laughs> thumb across his throat, indicating that he's going for the GTS. Kenta gets Moxley onto his shoulders, but Moxley manages to escape with some quick elbows. Both connect with lariats, but Moxley's is sloppy. Kenta throws palm strikes at Moxley's head, forcing him down to one knee, pulls back for a bigger hit, and gets caught in a quick German suplex. Moxley bounces off the ropes, hits a running clothesline, goes for a cover. Kenta kicks out at two. Moxley and Kenta are both panting, collapsed on the mat. That's the bit where they're like, like just lying on yeah, top of each other yeah, for a bit. Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> That's the one. Uh, Moxley mounts Kenta and starts throwing forearms. Kenta catches his arm and pulls him into the game over, which is a an omoplata crossface or a labelle lock, if you prefer that name. I Call do. it what you will. I do, because I can remember what it is <laughs> seconds after you said it. Unlike the other one. Omoplata crossface. The omoplata is a, a hold from uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's the, like, the arm oh, trap okay. bit. Cool. Okay. Uh... As Kenta is applying pressure, his grip slips, and Moxley is able to roll over and put Kenta into a bulldog choke. Kenta rolls through, traps Moxley's other arm, and gets game over thoroughly singed in. Moxley claws his way to the rope. Uh, I liked that little like back and forth of, of submission moves, and like uh, I Mo- Moxley has some nice like 
they're not like uh oh he's a submissions expert type holds but definitely some nice like well done kind of standard wrestling submissions like the the bulldog choke and uh he'll he'll do a boston crab or a figure four or like yeah like a lot of sleeper hold like a lot of the stuff that he does it's not the flashiest um wrestling but it is it it's effective and it looks like it hurts yeah and he does it like he does it you know in a way that like makes it look like he's just really aiming to beat the shit out of you yeah yeah yeah, like rather than like some of the dudes with their kind of submission moves feeling like they're kind of, oh, I'm a, I'm applying pressure in just the right place. John Moxley's arms and legs are just very long, <laughs> and it's like, oh, I bet those limbs have a lot of weight behind them. He's this just prob- squeezing real yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah, it's just like overwhelming them. It's not like, oh, I only need to apply half a pound of pressure to the right spot to make you tap out. It's just, I'm going to squeeze the fuck out of you. I'm going to sit on your head, mate. (laughs) Kenta kicks Moxley hard in the midsection, hits the ropes for a running knee into the back of Moxley's head, runs the ropes again, but Mox is ready for him, taking him down with a big lariat. Mox starts moxing out, yells, (laughs) Death Rider! Moxley gets Kenta up, but Kenta resists. Gets Moxley onto his shoulders for go to sleep. Moxley escapes. Kenta charging at Moxley with lariats, but they're just bouncing off him. He goes for a spinning lariat. Mox catches his arm and quickly DDTs him. Tries for a pin, but Kenta kicks out at two. Yeah, I like, like, was he moxing up his, uh, influenced by the, like, when Hulk Hogan used to, like, Hulk out uh, as a big spot, and it's not quite the same, but it's a similar, like, it feels like w- when he gets himself into that headspace and gets amped up, that like he is able to just withstand stuff. And I liked the like uh, Kenta, who's a decent bit smaller than than Moxley, like running at him with what looked like really big lariats and just like him no selling them. Yeah, no, mate, I'm off. sicko mode now. <laughs> <laughs> there was a there was a nice moment. I don't know if you mentioned it. Um, just a subtle thing, but like. Um, Moxley's kind of it's before before that sequence with the the lariats, but uh, Moxley's kind of bent over forwards, and Kenta just kicks him in the stomach. And Moxley does like a little hop, like he's been lifted off the ground by the kick, <laughs> which is which I thought nice. was a really nice touch. Yeah, <laughs> like just sell the strength for that kick. Uh, Moxley tells Kenta that he'll pay for all the shit talk now. But Kenta says he's not done yet. Gives Mox uh, double middle fingers and a slap, growling, Fuck you! <laughs> Moxley kicks him, hits Death Rider, pin at 14 minutes, 25 seconds, and Moxley retains the belt. Having beaten Kenta, Moxley lays the belt out in the ring in front of him and gives him a real mocking bow and then a middle finger. Kenta's like crawling Cru- towards like, the belt. Try- and trying to reach for out it. for the belt. I'm doing the action that yeah. no one can see. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, which I don't know if that was supposed to be like well he still wants it, maybe we'll revisit this um, but yeah Moxley's like fake show of respect yeah, and then total disrespect was, uh, <laughs> was, was very nice um, I like I get what you mean about this match just feeling weird I'm not sure I agree with you Matt about like Ke- Moxley dominating, I think it was like pretty good back and forth for a lot of it I would have liked another five minutes before you get to that like go home spot like 
I feel like so some more of like Kenta putting in some some more offense and Moxley withstanding it mm. before he gets to the the final Death Rider. I guess what it what it really feels like to me is that like Kenta is giving it back pretty good, but he just can't ever quite do anything that really like properly cracks John's armor. Like he d- he just can't do like enough big damage. Yeah, he definitely at any fe- one time. He definitely feels like the underdog coming into the match, and I don't think there's any point where you're like, "Oh, he's got this locked." Mm. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I hope that is not the last of uh, John Moxley Kenta feud. I would like to see more from them. Yeah, it was. It, I I didn't mention this at the start of it, but like um, obviously in the build up to it, they had. It was the first time that like someone from New Japan showed up on on Dynamite. They had Kenta show up. I forget exactly what the match was, but they had Kenta show up and um, hit the go to sleep on Moxley. And, yes. Um, and, and he had the briefcase and stuff. And then they had like a tag match the next week. And like the build up to it felt like something quite special. And it had been like a long time coming. For, uh, I forgot. Was it August that I, the, the they had the tournament where Kenta won the right to challenge briefcase. Uh, maybe. Yeah, August 2020. Uh, so it's, like, it's, what, six months that yeah. that he has like, been able to challenge John Moxley and has been defending that right to challenge against other people and also like calling out Moxley online and stuff. Mm. It seemed like, yeah, it, it, was a, it was a weird one when it was actually happening because I didn't obviously I was watching Dynamite and it built up to the match and then the match didn't happen or I didn't see the match because I didn't have a way to watch New Japan Strong. Yeah, you have to Um, have uh, either Fight TV or the New Japan World. Yeah, which which I don't have. Um, So watching a few weeks ago when this YouTube compilation got put, it was the first time I'd seen it. Yeah. And it felt Initially felt slightly anticlimactic, um, but as I said, like the, the more I watch the match, the more I think there is a lot in there to appreciate. I think that's fair. I think it's a good match. I think they are cap- certainly capable of putting on better matches. Yeah, uh, like I, I think they could have a great match. Yeah, yeah, and and it it, it made me again like appreciate it more as it went on. Made me appreciate like um, how much just a crowd adds to like. A big match, like a title match. Yeah. Um, just having that that noise and that interaction, you know, kind of really elevates. Yeah, really elevates a match. Um, which is a shame that it didn't get that, and hopefully at some point they will get that experience. Before we go to the last match, there's some some information about Blue Justice Yuji Nagata. Also, uh, before I get into my notes on him, I could not... I've looked around and I can't find where the origin of the name Blue Justice comes from. I don't know if it's a name he gave himself or it's just that he wore blue pants and that's what what he got called or, like, I don't know where it comes from. I'm going to assume that he wore blue and he was a good guy. He's He's been, like, the legendary Blue Justice for as long as I've been regularly watching New Japan, which is, you know, what... Uh, Five-ish years. Yeah. 
So Yuji Nagata has held the main, uh, like the the main belt in the three or three of them, like the biggest Japanese promotions. He's a two-time IWGP Heavyweight Champion. He's a zero-one World Heavyweight Champion and a GHC Heavyweight Champion. He is the only wrestler to have won Japan's three biggest wrestling tournaments: the G1 Climax in two thousand and one, Champion Carnival in twenty eleven and Pro Wrestling Noah's Global League in 2013. Uh, According to his his Wikipedia page, Yuji Nagata is considered one of the greatest Japanese wrestlers in history. There is no citation provided for this assertion. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's a weird... That's not a fact, Wikipedia. (laughs) That's an opinion. Uh, Wikipedia likes him. (laughs) Ian Wikipedia is a big fan. So similar to Minoru Suzuki, he comes from an amateur wrestling background, and he and Suzuki actually like met in amateur wrestling when they were in in high school. Uh, and Nagata lost to Suzuki, Suzuki in a high school tournament, and again at the Japanese sectionals, and like that has been used as the the impetus for their like rivalry throughout their professional wrestling careers. Of like, oh, these guys have been rivals since high school. Uh, Nagata trained at the New Japan Dojo, wrestling his first professional match in September 1992. In 1997, Nagata feuded with Ultimo Dragon in WCW, which is the the first time, not at the time, but a few years ago, watching a bunch of old WCW, which is the first time I really took notice of Yuji Nagata. I was like, yeah, this guy's pretty good. Uh, He's one of the greatest... Japanese wrestlers of all time, Ben. Yeah, but this was before I was watching any Japanese wrestling. This was before Wikipedia <laughs> told was, you that. This was, bef- uh, this was before the WWE Network existed, and I was watching like uh, uploads of someone's <laughs> like VHS rips of WCW Monday Nitro. Nice. He has one of the best faces. Oh, the... <laughs> Yes, yeah. his, his facial expressions are exquisite. It's like you know when someone like mods a video game so that all the faces and all the expressions are like two hundred percent or whatever. Like you can his face is real squishy. Yeah, <laughs> we will get uh, to that great moment in the match. So, uh, yeah, won, won the G One Climax tournament in two thousand and one, uh, and won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship for the first time that uh, that year as well. I think that's right. I've written that weird. Uh, at the time, he had a, a record championship reign holding the belt for 392 days and successfully defending it 10 times. Uh, the record wasn't beaten until the 4th of January 2012 when Hiroshi, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi def- uh, defended the title for the 11th time, beating uh, Nagata's longtime rival Minoru Suzuki. And it has since been beaten again by uh, Okada. Of course it has. <laughs> because he's Okada. Because it's Okada, yeah. <laughs> he's uh, the Charlotte Flair. He's the Rainmaker, baby. He is the Rainmaker, baby. I don't I don't even mean that. <laughs> Charlotte Flair better, and Okada so. are both good, but like, good feels like an insult when you're saying it about Okada. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I, and he's not like, he's not pushed as needlessly and undeservingly as Charlotte Flair often is. Like, he doesn't no he doesn't ever... just suddenly show up as a, as the third participant in a title match that has like some actual build to it. <laughs> like, 
No one ever, as far as I'm aware, called him genetically superior. God. <laughs> they probably shouldn't have. No, they sh- don't say that about a white blonde lady. That <laughs> feels real Nazi. That's a misstep. Uh, yeah. She's going to beat Rhea Ripley for the title again soon. Mm. It's going to fucking suck. I'm not even following WWE anymore, and that still annoys me. Uh, Rhea Ripley's current thing is that she comes out and points at Charlotte Flair and goes, You're a loser. Okay. You're a loser. Just she over says it and in over that again. accent as well. She, she does, I You're guess. a loser. <laughs> You're a loser. I'm Australian and nasal for as some my, reason. That's my low effort <laughs> 5 to 11 <laughs> Australian accent, <laughs> I guess. Uh, in the early 2000s, pro wrestling's popularity was in decline and MMA was on the rise. So we talked a little bit about this with, with Pancrase and Antonio Inoki's like, growing obsession with MMA. And uh, So then owner of New Japan, Antonio Inoki, uh, pushed a bunch of his top wrestlers into legitimate MMA fights. Nagata fought Mirko Krokrop in 2001, losing in 21 seconds because he's a professional wrestler, not a fighter. In what two- was that guy's name again? Mirko Krokop. Mirko Krokop. Cool. In 2003, he was made to fight Fedor Emelianenko and lost in one minute, two seconds. So it's, it's getting better, but also, you know, don't make your <laughs> pro wrestlers, your like performance art athletes do real fights it's not going to go well he's treading water a little bit longer in the vat of acid (laughs) uh these humiliating defeats hurt nagata's reputation and may have played a part in him never rising to the levels of stardom that later talents like hiroshi tanahashi and kazucha okada have achieved because he was like their big guy in the the late 90s and early 2000s which is kind of the lowest point of new japan's history yeah, it seems like a very strange decision to just assume that these people can can win real fights. Enoki was, is a strange man and yeah. also m- maybe has some pretty big ties to Yakuza. Sure. And and also weirdly like went off because he's in the he's in the diet now, uh, Antonio Enoki. Oh yeah. And he like he went to North Korea on his own accord to try and like make some kind of deal with the Koreans <laughs> and Japanese diplomacy which I like like I don't understand Japanese politics too well but it seemed like that didn't go down well with the rest of the diet yeah I guess the takeaway from from this MMA business is that not every wrestler is Brock Lesnar no or for Jake example Hager. CM Punk yeah I yeah. love him but Oh man! Oh, <laughs> you are not a world class unit, dude. <laughs> I believe um, Thunder Rosa does MMA and is pretty decent at it. And sure, I mean, like, and obviously Hager, Jake Hager, and and like there are yeah, there are lots of wrestlers that do uh, MMA and have trained like real martial arts and competed in them at different levels. But oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't think it takes away from you as a professional wrestler to not be a real fighter. No, like, no. So in in that period, Shinsuke Nakamura was put into uh, some real MMA fights, as was Jushin Jushin Liger for uh, Minoru Suzuki and Pancrase at one point, right? And okay. got the shit kicked out of him because yeah. Suzuki's a real fighter, <laughs> and Jushin Liger is like the Japanese luchador flippy man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like you know, I love Ray Phoenix, but like. 
in a real fight and you know jake hager would just yeah destroy him you know or other mma fighters that's that's not that's not what he's there for john moxley versus yuji nagata uh, on it was the opening match of the 12th of May 2021 episode of AEW Dynamite and uh, it's the first Kenta was the first New Japan wrestler to appear on AEW but Nagata's yes. the first one to wrestle a match right? No Kenta wrestled as well. Did Kenta have a match? Yeah they had um, oh, who was he with? Was it Lance Archer? Was it Lance Archer and Kenta against Moxley and Oh Who yeah, they, they did a tag match. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I forget exactly. I forget who the fourth person was, and I may be getting the sides wrong. Um, but yeah, he he did wrestle. Uh, but this is certainly the first time something as important as like it. It was the first match where they said like, oh, it's contested under New Japan rules, and it's a, and, New, and Japan it's a New Japan title. title. Um, so I feel like that's you know. It's a big a, deal. It's a fairly big deal, even if even if New Japan Wrestler has appeared before. It, yeah. They really wanted you to know it was a big deal. Uh, they had like a really long entrance. Yes. So that Excalibur could explain who this guy is for all the people <laughs> like myself, to be honest, who didn't really have a clue. Um, yeah, I mean, that's for, like, I, I think it's reasonable to not expect a Western audience to know who a Japanese legend oh, yeah, yeah. From, from an era when Japanese wrestling didn't cross over to the West that mm. much. It needed to be done, yeah. Uh, Moxley has Wild Thing as his entrance music now. I don't like this. So they've switched to the other version of it that fits him a bit better. Okay. The original... It <laughs> There's this match, like... As the music's dying down, it's right at the sort of like fucking pan flute solo or something, <laughs> which is like the least Moxley thing ever. Um, they switched to, I think it's like a Joan Jett cover of it. Okay, it's a little bit more rock I and roll. Could be wrong. Yeah, but it still it's, a, feels it's a more appropriate version. Like, but... Wild Thing, You Make My Heart Sing doesn't feel like. The distorted right. guitars and like, yeah, that like feedback and stuff like sounded was more appropriate, I think. I, I don't I don't hate the new version though, but yeah, the the original version that they used for this was weird and not really appropriate. Uh, Moxley is accompanied to the ring by Eddie Kingston. I don't thi- uh, I don't think Eddie Kingston gets involved in the match in any way, really. No, no, he's just there. He's he's a face now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes faces still get involved in. Shit, especially I feel like you can maybe get away with it a little bit more with Kingston and Moxley, who are like rough and ready, like yeah. rough boy, dirty as <laughs> rough boys. Hey, you're hurting my friend. Like, <laughs> uh, match starts by trading forearms. Moxley whips Nagata into the corner and hits him with a lariat, which only seems to energize Blue Justice. So before that, the match starts with uh, Yuji Nagata looking really like completely nonplussed uh, um, <laughs> Justin Roberts with announcing John Moxley with 400 O's oh, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. he just looks like really like I, 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 I guess this is a thing <laughs> he looks very puzzled I, by did, it. I didn't notice that <laughs> yeah. 
uh, Nagata whips Moxley into the ropes and hits him with the kitchen sink, which is a name for a knee to the gut, which seems like that's I get the whole uh, hitting you with everything but the kitchen sink, and then this is the kitchen sink, and it's a big knee to the gut, but also in modern wrestling, a big knee to the gut doesn't feel like it's enough to be the kitchen sink. No, no. Uh, followed by a boot to the head. <clears throat> Moxie rolls out of the ring as Nagata hypes up the crowd. They lock up outside the ring and Moxie claws Nagata's eye, then tosses him into the ring post. Moxie jumps onto the apron and hits a running knee off the apron to Yuji Nagata, then tosses him into the barricade and slides back into the ring. That knee strike, that uh, running knee off the apron, like onto his spine, yeah. was uh, was nasty looking. It was, mm. Yeah. Mm. R- real crisp. Yeah. Yeah, nasty looking as in it. Yes. Like it hurt, yeah. Rather than he did a bad job. Because, yeah, he did a good job. <laughs> He's going, to, like, Moxley's going a little bit, you know, for, for a little bit of clawing action here, but I don't think overall in this match he's not, um, he's not coming off quite as violent as normal. He's not trying to eat him or gouge his eyes out or... He, he's not trying to fuck him up. He's just trying to, like, I mean, he's trying to hurt him, but he, you know, yeah. he's not, he's not, he's not going for hell for leather against this, like, I think it's fair to say very slightly doddering man. Yeah, it's like like, like he can clearly like still go. Respect, like he can clearly still go, but it's when he's like just walking, you're like, you don't look quite as steady as what you might hope. Mm. And then when he runs, he's fine. And when he's like striking or doing a drop kick or anything, again, he's fine. It's just like so there's definitely some signs of his age. A little bit. Of yeah, he, he's like been fifty-three or something. Yeah. What's the thing? He he wants to be wrestling when he's seventy. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's a quote. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe don't. I don't know. Uh, it's working out okay for Billy Gunn, but so, I mean, you know. in another interview with Minoru Suzuki, he he talked about he he doesn't have time for quitters. Wrestle till you die, or or don't. If you quit, I don't have any respect for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, obviously, that's in character, but still, what a gift. Uh, Moxley paces around the ring and yells at the crowd. Nagata makes it back into the ring well before being counted out. Mox forces Nagata into into the corner with a big forearm, then hits a couple of lariats before snapmaring Nagata into the middle of the ring. Moxie hits a running knee, followed by an elbow drop, and a half-hearted lateral press. Nagata kicks out at one. There's a, a real, like, I guess we'll t- like dip my toe into the water and s- see how well he's doing. Nah, nah, yeah, he's definitely still in this fight. <laughs> Moxley tees off with kicks to a kneeling Nagata who beckons Moxley to bring it. A big kick knocks Nagata to the mat. Mox pins, kick out at two. Moxley sits Nagata up, tearing at his face, which gets a warning count from the referee, causing Mox to shove Nagata away. Moxley jumps onto Brett's rope and leaps at Nagata. Nagata catches him, looks to be setting up for an exploder suplex. Moxley elbows his way out. Nagata hits a stiff elbow, followed by a series of kicks. Nagata whips Moxley into the corner and hits him with a running boot. Explode a suplex. Nagata pins Moxley. Kick out at two. The boot was pretty nice. Like, it was quite surprising for, you say, a, a, an occasionally slightly doddering. Yeah, it, uh, it, it only guy. like he only feels doddering like when he walked to the ring at pace. He felt fine. It's like yeah. when he's just walking around a bit more slowly. There's like mm. a bit of bow leggedness or something. <sighs> sure, which I'm sure he's done some damage to his hips and knees over the years. Mm. Yeah, some of the some of the some of the run we like when he's like going off the ropes and stuff. It's not quite as smooth as as we've come to expect from like 
all the other dudes that we just watched in a row. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Which, but yeah, they are yeah. even Lance Archer, who's like I think the oldest, probably. He's like only. He's I mean, still so, like at least ten years younger. Suzuki's the same age as Nagata. Oh yeah, no, good point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. But I I wonder if like taking How did I forget about Suzuki <laughs> taking like almost a decade out of pro wrestling to do like MMA does different damage so he doesn't have the same wear and tear. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Like, also, just two different people can have exactly the same career. Like, yeah, and their body yeah. will react differently. Mm, yeah. Nagata tries to suplex Mox again, but Moxley blocks. Nagata hits Moxley, forcing him back into the ropes. Nagata then tries to Irish whip Moxley, but he reverses and runs for a lariat. Nagata rolls under, faints, then hits a low drop kick into Moxley's shins. The faint was just the best. It was so good. It was like monster hands, like, big, big hands up, like oh, I'm gonna, gra- <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna get you, and, and then just a little drop just kick, low the... drop kick. Yeah, and, I, and I then... really enjoyed that. <laughs> and then Nagata points at his head with a grin, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. he might be younger than me, but I have the wisdom of experience. <laughs> he's, he's just he's great and wily. He's a wily man. <laughs> Nagata throws those big kicks at Anili Moxley, who just asks for more. Moxley gets to his feet, and they trade blows. Nagata bounces off the ropes for a running boot, but Moxley slips behind, grabbing Nagata's waist for a suplex, then hits the ropes for a big running lariat. Mox pins Nagata for a two-count. Uh, and I think I think that's the point the commentary mentioned, the, like, the big lariats being like what finally opened Suzuki up to be hit by Death Rider. Yeah, in the in the. Sorry, my brain completely shut down for a moment there. <laughs> <That's> um, <right. laughs> uh, it's getting late. It's um, getting a bit late. In the, uh, yeah, in the in the match that we talked about before. In the yeah, the in the yeah. Minoru Suzuki Moxie match. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I shouldn't bother saying anything. <laughs> uh... Uh-huh. Moxley tries to get Nagata up for a pile driver. Nagata blocks and manages to pick up Moxley and backdrop him. Kick to the sternum, then Nagata whips Moxley into the corner and hits a running knee. Nagata lifts Moxley up to the top rope and delivers an avalanche exploder suplex. Moxley, on his knees, gives Blue Justice the middle fingers and gets rewarded with a big <laughs> kick to the chest. Nagata pins Moxley, who manages to kick out at 2.9. They're like, it's a real ref's hand is close to the mat for the three on that one there's another one of the nicer like more effective sequences in this or i guess not effective but like more exciting sequences yes of this match um i think as i was saying i was saying before uh when we had a sneaky break that uh Shh, don't tell them that we took breaks <laughs> we we didn't i i psychically transmitted this to ben whilst we were recording and talking about something else that um I think this match it's a it's a good match and everything in it is done well but like it's just not as flashy or uh, and it doesn't have all the tables and chairs and the, the exciting stuff in the other in the other matches. So I I haven't spoken to you two about it but this like we all I th- agree that the Suzuki match is the best one of the six. This is probably my least favorite of the six which it's by no means a bad match it's fun but it's like it's quite, it's quite a it's a 
sort of standard. It's not something that I would, I wouldn't have watched it multiple times if we weren't doing this, and it's not something I will probably ever revisit. Yeah, I will get to the ending as well, but the ending didn't really do it for me. It doesn't. It, it doesn't really feel like a John Moxley match. It feels like John, again, like he's not bringing the violence like normal. It, he's definitely toning himself down to match Nagata's style, and it kind of doesn't do them any favors. It's technically, yeah, and it's it's technically a title match, but it definitely feels like an exhibition match of like the, this like old legend that that uh, has been around for a really long time and is like a really big deal in Japan, and we want to show that we've got like. This arrangement with New Japan by br- bringing this guy over and like mm. it's been we're on TNT. He used to wrestle on TNT in the late nineties for WCW, like continuity stuff. It, like it felt like it was doing a lot more outside of the match itself than than the match really was doing. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. It's. Also, it's it's just like it's just like an opening match on Dynamite. Yes, like, I think it's, yeah, a, it's it, a good opening it's, match yeah, for it, an it, episode of Dynamite. I think it's yeah, like in that context, it's it's good. Yeah. But in the context of it being, a, it's a, a perfectly match good match. It's just like yeah. it is not special. It was on a other show, than it's Eugene Nagata, and Eugene Nagata is cool. It was on a show as well with um, two other title matches. One of which was the Bucks SCU, which had uh. like. Which was a really good match. So much fun. And also had like real stakes to it. Yeah. And then the other one was Miro and Darby Allen, which was just fantastic. It was just Um It yeah. I think you're right. Like it's it doesn't really let Moxley like cut loose and do his thing fully. And that's to its detriment, really. But but not bad, not bad no, on the whole. But at all. by no means, are we, I don't think any of us are shitting on this match. It's no, just no, no, not at all. The, the weakest of these six. Yeah. Uh, Moxley back on his feet gets caught. Nagata seems to be looking for a side suplex. Mox elbows out, slips behind Nagata, and catches him in a sleeper hold. Nagata drops down, countering the sleeper. He grabs Moxley's arm and pulls him into the shirome, which is a seated armbar, but uh, it's where he like rolls his eyes back in his head, which is what. Shirame means white eyes. Yeah. Shiro is white, may his eyes. His eye uh, eyes. And, and that's what gets that like expression that Matt loves. <laughs> yep. that's... The face. <laughs> so expressive. So good. <laughs> it's uh I it's um th- there's an episode of, of community where um where it's, uh Annie is doing an experiment by just making a bunch of characters <laughs> wait in a waiting room indefinitely. And the way that Donald Glover, the character Troy's face, goes when he's just like losing his entire shit is like almost exactly the same face Eugene <laughs> <laughs> Carter makes. Nice. His eyes curl all the way back in his face and he does this weird thing with his mouth. And it's just like, it's fucking great. Faces are good sometimes. <laughs> Faces are good sometimes. He's He really wants you to know that he is putting all of his strength behind that arm breaker. Yeah. Um, even if, yeah. Because <laughs> you're looking at his face, you don't know. He could be doing anything yeah. with those arms, and I don't, I don't fucking, I'll believe it. <laughs> uh, Moxie manages to rotate himself and gets a leg onto the bottom rope. Nagata grabs Moxie's arm for a shoulder arm breaker. Mox escapes. They trade shots until Mox hits the ropes for a lariat, which Nagata counters with a boot, followed by an enziguri that seems to stagger Moxley. 
Moxley slumped against the ropes, suddenly bounces forward for a low-angle clothesline and a pin. Nagata kicks out at two. Also, I've been spelling Enziguri wrong for years. <laughs> yeah? It's How is it spelled? It's Enziguri, not Enziguri. E-N-Z-U-I-G-I-R-I. Is, yeah. is that... Yeah, it's, it's it's it sounds like a Japanese word. So it's like it's it's translated in like romaji into whatever. Yeah, it, it it's weird, isn't it? Like translating from that alphabet into the English alphabet. <laughs> sure, it's very imprecise. Or whatever and it's, alphabet's called. It's what? really imprecise, and it's why my phone did a thing. You've, you've set then... off Siri. <laughs> After telling us at the start to turn off our phones, my, my well, I have to read from my or notes to mute on my our phone. Phones. My phone yeah. is muted. It did a Siri thing for no reason. Oh, you, you ruined the podcast. We're gonna have to start again. I can't believe we broke okay. the magic circle. <laughs> um, what was I saying? I don't we were know. talking about Enziguri as a spelling and as a move. Oh yeah, like the 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 um, writing it out. Uh, the Romanji is that what you called it? I think I think I think it's called Romanji, where you Romanji. phonetically spell out in our alphabet yeah. a word that is in in kanji or katakana. Normally, it's, it's why you get stuff like um, people calling ring ringu, which it's just called ring. Ringu. It's, it's just ring. It's, it's pingu, but with rings. At, at most, it's ring. Ringu. Yeah, there's, there's the two directions. Yeah, there's, there's there's like the main character of the the manga Berserk guts is gats. is it's gats because that's that's just gats. it's the it's the it's like the, the the phonemes they have available. There's um Vivi as well, uh, an anime that's Vivi Fluoride Eyes Song. It's uh, it's it's Bibi, Bibi because there's no V's in Japanese. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's I mean, no V's in Japanese. Feels like a there's no crying in baseball. <laughs> I, I really, I do really like hearing them, um, hearing them call out Gian Makusuri. Yes, it, it just it's really fascinating watching like two languages with different phonemes available to them just like clash and jumble. It's, I mean, because I because I've I've learned a little bit of. Um... Hiragana, Katakana, mm-hmm. whichever one it is, Katakana. Katakana's, yeah. Yeah. Hiragana, um, the one for like little kids. Yeah, her, yeah, yeah. Uh, up to about the age of kind of 10 ish, I think. It's right. Yeah, that's about. It's, it's teaching you how it's to. Like the level I'm at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like seeing the way that like John Moxley is spelled, it is Gion Mokusuri. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's, inter- it's always interesting seeing how um, uh, English. Words get spelled. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's also G U C, G U C Robinson, G U C Robinson. <laughs> well, sometimes you can tell which of the two words in the top corner that says like name versus name. Um, oh, that person is that like that name is the Japanese name because it's in like kanji, and yeah. then the other one is in katakana, so it's like oh, it's, they're, they're just like phonetically. Yeah, that's just f- the the phonemes that make up that person's name. Mm. Yeah, that bit that I have no clue what it means. <laughs> that's the Japanese name. That's Tanahashi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moxie pulls Yuji Nagata into the bulldog choke. Uh, at this point, we can see that Moxie is bleeding from somewhere, but I like, 
I've watched this. Ab- <laughs> I can't work out what cut him. I I didn't catch it either. I I think I said earlier. I theorized that maybe it was like, um, it's too far back though. That maybe it was like the the boot to the face when he was in the corner, but. It is. T- it's too far back. The Enziguri maybe caught him. Yeah, I, maybe I, he bladed. I maybe wrong. that. I mean, m- maybe it feels like a mm. weird time to choose to blade because it's not like I don't think it's intentional. I don't think it's intentional. It doesn't. It didn't feel like it to me. I think he just got caught awkwardly. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't catch when it happened either. Uh, Nagata fights to his feet. Moxie adjusts his grip into a sleeper hold, but Nagata manages to pull Moxie's arm out and escape the hold. They trade strikes. Nagata falls to the map, but Moxley looks to be staggered as well. Moxley picks Nagata up, gets him into a double underhook position, couple of knees to the face, and hits the paradigm shift. Because it's not a Death Rider, because we're in AEW. Although Excalibur does say, or the Death Rider, as he, it's called. He, he does, yeah. As they call it in New Japan. He de- yeah, he does call it that. Yeah. But uh, you've got to call it the, the one way. You can, you can signpost it. But... Yeah. Yeah. Um... Really abrupt ending. Yeah, it, it, it feels like... Oh, okay, we, we're just done now? Okay. Given given like how much of a, a battle it was in the other matches to to get that Death Rider in, and how a lot of time it was like, oh, well, he gets his underhook, double underhook DDT off, but then he needs to do the, the bigger version. It just seemed... It was very sudden. Yeah, um, it, it felt like, oh, this is going to be... He attempts to do it and and either like gets a DDT, but Nagata kicks out, or like Nagata like manages to block and he can't like lift him up and get the elevation. Also, and I don't know if this might have just been like selling from Nagata that he did like more of a flip, but the way the way that move looked at the end of that match looked more like a butterfly suplex than a double underhook ddt with elevation like it looked like he flipped him fully over and landed on his back rather than driving his head down into the mat yeah Um, which it's it looked pretty cool it's just not how the death rider usually looks and it was i i took notes (laughs) sure (laughs) maybe you just did it different because i don't know the match ends at eight minutes 28 seconds after the bell, Moxley bows to Nagata in a show of genuine respect. Nagata returns the bow, and Moxley raises Nagata's hand, and it's a nice like, "Hey, th- th- this guy, am I right, guys?" It's the full like forehead on the mat, like complete. Yes, yeah, it's the full yeah. like bow down. We're not worthy, almost. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's it's nice to see like the first one where it's like some genuine, other than you know the the balance the crowd and stuff like some genuine respect for an opponent that isn't immediately like undermined or, <laughs> or just obviously mm. a joke there's something about like doing the japanese customs in a mocking way which feels almost like it has the it has the potential to like just be disrespectful to japan as a whole that, th- that like just doing it properly for once is like i, nice I feel like see. like he has like uh the bit where where uh uh, fuck, which match is it? The bit where the like the referee is telling him not to do something, and he's like, "Sorry, sorry, thank you," and then bows, and it doesn't seem like he's taking a piss. He does then just go back to what he was doing, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it feels like a genuine like respect for the referee, if not for doing what he's told. <laughs> it's a fun balancing actor. Huh? 
It's it's I think I think it's only the one against Kenta that is like a real yeah fuck you. Yeah, yeah. Some real bad blood leading up to that match. Uh, they didn't the the New Japan package that they put up um on the YouTube, you know, for those first five matches that um yeah. The the they the in between for each match is is just the same video sort of um, promoting the Yuji Nagata match. Promoting yeah. Yuji, yeah, and and also a little bit of merch if you want to buy some merch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that fucking merch? ad with Rocky Romero and um, I blanked on the other dude's name. It's like, yeah, well, I bought this thing. <laughs> it's, it's it's a pretty fun little ad as I go, but I feel like it maybe would have been, especially you know, especially the Kenta match with its weirdness of its lack of audience and sort of drop in energy. It would have been better served with a like a, bit of a full WWE style video package telling you the story of like their their feud and like. Especially if Slickly you can just, presented. yeah. Especially if you can like, if a lot of the feud leading up to it was on social media, you can just like take screenshots and do a bit of a narration job over it. Like, it seems like something that could have been done. I mean, there was there was dynamite stuff that you bit. could cut together as well. Yeah, yeah, there was dynamite stuff. There's New Japan stuff, uh, and and like, uh, I think stuff that was like post match interviews and uh, that might have just gone straight to YouTube. Mm. So that yeah. you know, there's stuff that they could have done to maybe pump up that. I mean, I mean, whatever. It's very nice that they put up five good matches for free on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um, and it, mm. and it's it's smart business to like they're trying to continue to like build a, a bigger Western audience, and they've got a deal, a new deal with a a Western promotion. It makes sense to be like. Here, this is a guy that you all know from WWE and AEW. Watch a bunch of his matches. Mm. Yeah, it was it was a nice thing to to show up. It was it was it was something as well that it was like it was nice. It's so accessible, so easily accessible. It seemed like a good thing to do to talk about. Yes, yeah, um, as something that like anyone can just go on YouTube and watch it and know what we're talking about <laughs> you know um yeah nice nice thing to, for them to put out uh so i think i think we all agreed suzuki uh it's gonna say match of the night obviously it's not one night <laughs> but match, match of the set ma- yeah match of the set uh yeah definitely it what what's everybody's second favorite then it's a toss-up between the first Juice Robinson and the Lance Archer for me. I think. I think it's the first Juice Robinson match for me. Quite, I also think it's the first Juice Robinson match for me. Even with the like the couple of big spots that he just misses, I feel like they're fun though. They're they're really fun, <laughs> and I like. I feel like Juice Robinson is like someone that I can like get behind and root for, and like it felt like it had some real emotional weight to it in a way that. The second Juice Robinson match, which was good, but just it didn't live up to it. Didn't have one. that the mm. same impact. It's uh, Juice Robinson like like m- matching and bringing a lot of his own kind of m- slightly manic energy. Like <laughs> they're just like they're just fucking bouncing around that stadium for the first fifty, like for the first like ten fifteen minutes of that match. It's just so much fun watching him just ping around. Um, the, the Lance Archer one was also was probably probably my next after that. 
uh, same, but it's just, um, I don't know, something about that magnetic energy of the Juice Robinson match is yeah. real, real good. The second Juice Robinson match is also pretty good, but obviously I... they're both, it's kind of an interstitial match. I don't think any of these are bad matches, and maybe at some point Not we will like watch some mid nineties WCW and have some bad matches. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, like I feel like the Nagato match is maybe like for for what it is of the opening match of an AEW. That's maybe a three star match, uh, which is still that's still a good match. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I think I think um, a lot of the kind of weapon spots and like just like the blackout through the chairs and stuff like that just kind of maybe brought that Lance Archer match up a little bit higher for me than for you guys. I think I think it's it's it is definitely close though. I I don't know the the Juice Robinson one is probably a better like technically like wrestling uh, match. There's maybe more to it. I mean. Like um, the the Lance Archer ones, the Texas Death Match, they're supposed to be just fucking yeah. throwing everything at each other. It's yeah. a really good match as well. I don't like. I don't think that there is a wrong answer. No, no. I, there's there's a lot of fun to be. There's a lot of stuff to enjoy in that in that match with the the silly like over the top weapons stuff. <laughs> um, and then you know there's stuff like the plastic bag, which doesn't work. Yeah, it but... didn't didn't work for any of us. <laughs> no, no. Um, but yeah, really, really good, enjoyable certain matches all around. Do we have some like little teasers of maybe some of the things that we're wanting to talk about? Yeah, we. I mean, we've definitely discussed some ideas. I think the next thing is probably going to be a, a Brody Lee retrospective. That's. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, I definitely want to talk about some Joshi wrestling at some point. Um, it's certainly something I'm interested in watching more of yeah. and, uh, and discussing. I, I haven't really watched a whole lot of Joshi wrestling and I would definitely like to. I just want excuses to watch more Yuka Sakazaki matches. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love to just... I want, a, I want a night of violence. Give me some Minoris, some sort of Minoru Suzuki cohesive group of matches okay um yeah also probably do that i i want to like i want to dive into some trash man like (laughs) give me some reach back into some real dark not not dark just like you know like embarrassing shit from (laughs) from wrestling history oh we can do that (laughs) the the mid 90s were a time the long 90s (laughs) Uh, are we plugging our Twitters? Do you want to yes. plug your Twitter account? Sure. <laughs> Why not? Um, I think I'm at Shark the Unknown, <laughs> and I draw pictures and stuff, and like, and build little houses. You know, manly things. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So if you want to see that. Uh, then yeah, at Shark the Unknown, um, uh, all words, no caps or anything. Does that even matter? I don't know how Twitter works. I'm old. <laughs> Just type Shark the Unknown, and no one else will have a Michael Moorcock reference. <laughs> yeah, as their Twitter handle. Yeah. I mean, no, that's that's a lie. The internet is very big. There are lots of Elrics. 
Um, you can find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Brody. That's B-R-O-A-D-E-Y. Um, I tweet about things. <laughs> uh if you want to, you can find me on Twitter at Raiding Kavach. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how to spell it, though. You have to work it out yourself. Uh, play it, it will man. be mostly retweets of politics and me being angry about things. So <laughs> It's a real fun time. <laughs> maybe give it a miss. <laughs> Alright, thanks for listening. Following the mute. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Jamie. <laughs> Thank you for listening to episode two of the Pro Wrestling Playlist. You can find the podcast at benmakesthings.co.uk forward slash pwp hyphen pod. You can get in touch with us over email at prowrestlingplaylistpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at pwplaylist. I think we also have an Instagram account that none of us have actually posted anything to. Uh, I think if you just search pro wrestling playlist on instagram you will find that and probably very little will come out of that account but i don't know i thought i should grab it if you want to get in touch with us with some suggestions of uh episodes that you might find interesting things that you were you would like us to dig into to do a playlist of uh that would be more than happy to listen to that not saying that we will uh do what you ask but you know We'll look at it, and if we find it interesting, we'll add it to the list. Next time, we will be talking about the career of the uh, late Brody Lee. Uh, that should be up in two weeks, hopefully. Okay, thanks for listening. Bye-bye now. I really liked Young Young Bucks slightly heelish in Japan going, that is so sagoy. <laughs>